Hi, Scott. I am Nadia. I am from zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer. We guide cancer patients on adopting an integrated oncological treatment approach, and we help them find a balance between mainstream treatment and complementary treatment approaches, right? We help patients with our team of oncologists, lab experts, nutritionists, and other healthcare professionals so that we can improve treatment, outcome of patients, and everything is much, reach, much faster reached to them. We also help in connecting patients with other patient, with cancer warriors who have gone through such a journey to address their queries. We also share inspirational journeys to motivate cancer warriors who are going through such a journey. And here with us today, we have Scott Wilson to talk about his life and his journey with cancer. I leave the podium to you, Scott. You can take it from here. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> thank you for that uh, introduction. It's very kind of you. And I, I, I love that description of a cancer warrior because I think that really is the spirit we need to take into to this battle, that, that, that it can be fought. Uh, and sometimes one, and, and that's certainly the position that I feel I'm in just now. So I am uh, 52 years of age today. Wow. Uh, I was born, uh, sorry, not it's not my birthday today. I am 52 years. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. I was uh, born in Glasgow in Scotland, wow. uh, where I lived for the first 30 years of my life. I'm now based in the United States uh, of America. And my mother, uh, she died from colon cancer when she was 59 okay. years of age. Um, so clearly a very sad time in my life. That was in my mid-20s. Yes. But because of that, you could argue that I had a very good warning that, that you know, I was exactly. a, a high-risk high mm. uh, patient. And I had um, uh, a, a test, uh, a fecal immunology test, when I was uh, 46 uh, to identify if there was any uh, clues that I may be developing uh, colon cancer. All right. And that came back as negative at 46 years of age. So I was delighted. You know, I can just lead my, my normal life. In Britain, you need to have two deceased relatives in order to um, have a colonoscopy mm -hmm. early. And okay. I was considered early. In... in Hindsight, I should have been seen as high risk and had a colonoscopy. Okay. But uh, that did not come through. And then three years later, when I had moved to the United States, I found some blood in my stool, uh, which, yes. as we all know, is a very clear warning that something is wrong. Mm. Uh, I had a colonoscopy and I was told I had stage four uh, colorectal cancer. Oh my. And of course, Nadia, at that point, you just think your life has stopped. Um, you know, it's it's not just cancer, it's stage four. Uh, I completely I understand, just, yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, I, I felt terrible. You know, you wake up and the, the first words from the uh, colonoscopist are, uh, we have found a mass, you need surgery. And you just you just go cold and white. And uh, um, my, my wife was an absolute rock for me at that time in terms of support and taking me through it. And, and we visited uh, the, the oncologist to look at the pathology. Uh, and I am terrified at this point. And she's got my hand and she had the, 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 the bravery to say, is there a treatment plan? And I did not look for long-term cure or long-term you will be perfect. 
We just wanted a yes, we have a treatment plan. Uh, and we have an incredibly capable uh, and dedicated oncology team around us. Uh, that's led by Dr. Cohn uh, in, in Colorado. And oh, they, had a, they had a dilemma. Do, do they treat the growth in the colon through surgery or do they treat the growth in my liver through chemotherapy, which to do first? So he worked with a, a, a very preeminent surgeon here, Dr. Santosh Nandi, mm. who is just a superb surgeon. He started university at 14 years old. <laughs> that's, how, that's how much talent this man has. Um, so they elected to do the surgery first. So I had a resection of my colon, and then I began 40 weeks of uh, chemotherapy. Uh, okay. Would you like me to name the drugs that I was on? You could name a few, yeah. Okay, Please. so I was on four drugs, uh, fluoracil, leucovorin, oxyplatin, and an immunotherapy drug called panitumumab. Oh. Um, and, and panitumumab was still relatively new at the time. So I was diagnosed in 2016 at 48 years old. I believe that drug was only readily available for two or three years by that point. And, oh, and, and, I, and I believe it has made a big difference to my treatment. So uh, as everybody knows, chemotherapy is not easy, um, but I, I, decided, I tried to continue to work. I wanted to uh, let my children uh, see a normal father. Uh, I have an 18-year-old boy and a 14-year-old girl. They were 14 and 10 when I, when I was diagnosed. And they've been a tremendous support. Family and the love of your friends and, and colleagues is just so, so important. It is I, very important. It is very, I mean, it is the, they are your rock. I mean, you have to lean absolutely. on them. Absolutely. <laughs> My uh, one of my I uh, have kind of two careers. One of them is as a photographer. Wow. And, and when I was diagnosed, the drug panitumumab creates a very, very high photosensitivity. So okay. my oncologist said, Scott, we're going to put you on this drug. It's going to help, but you must avoid sunshine. Oh, okay. So, so I, I, I uh, suddenly, to be honest, when you're you have stage four. Photography is not the first thing in your mind. No, no, it isn't. It is. I was just going to say that. I mean, this I is not what you should be doing. I know. But when I was thinking about my therapy and my uh, mindset and, and how I would support myself through treatment, photography is, is my creativity. And, Don't we all have one of those? Yeah. Yes. And I needed to find ways to support myself. So I began to photograph wildlife from the inside of my car so that I could stay in the shade and, and shoot uh, without damaging my skin, but still uh, appreciate that is, wildlife. That is really some kind of passion. <laughs> wow. I, I, I wrote a book about the experience, which we can talk oh, about later. Oh, please. would love yeah. to hear that. So yeah. after uh, 40 weeks of chemotherapy, uh, and each scan every three months was showing an improvement. Okay. So that gives you such confidence that the drugs yes, yes. are actually making a difference. Yes. And after one year, they said, we can find no evidence of disease. Uh, okay. And the, the, the relief is just absolutely tremendous. The emotion just washes over you. Yes. Um, so that was in 2017, mm. in August. So this month, uh, I am three years uh, cancer-free. 
um, from from stage four, which uh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> still, it still gets me emotional, Nadia, to say those words because I I'm back then did not predict that, that I would still be here today. So, so this is uh, just a, a wonderful experience, and I have to give so much um, respect and gratitude and love to the cancer community that has just really looked after me. And, and that's why I wrote that book, Through the Window, is that I wanted to give back to the people um, who had given so much to me. And, and at first, Nadia, I, I thought it was to raise money for, for cancer research, but I'm just one person and I can only raise pennies, you know, in, in the millions of dollars that we, that we need to, to improve research. Yes. But what I found after a while is the book became a reason for people to talk to me about cancer. And suddenly other men in particular, men are more um, shy yes, about yeah. confessing feelings. They do and have, yes, yes, yeah. yes. And men of my age would talk to me and say, Scott, I loved your photographs, but how did you first realize that something was wrong? When did you notice the blood? What did you do? And that's when I realized the importance of the book was not to raise money, but to uh, stimulate a conversation about cancer yes. that just makes, and you talked earlier about the importance of time. So if exactly. that book has just helped shorten the time frame from some, for somebody mm. to a diagnosis, that, then, then that's a good result for me. Wow. <laughs> just like we're having a conversation now. I mean, so many people are going to be seeing this right now and taking so much inspiration from this. Like, um, you, I just wanted to know your, uh, how, did you, how did you deal with chemotherapy? How was that time? During that time, how was your mental state? And how did your family take it when they first heard that you need to go su into such a treatment stage? Yeah. These are good questions. And, and um, I remember my mother on chemotherapy 25 years ago and, and how difficult that was. And she spent most of her chemotherapy time in hospital. Good day. Today is different. At, at least where I was treated. And, and I would go in on a Monday. Imagine a three-day process every, um, every week. I would go in on a Monday and I yeah. would have uh, six hours of infusion. Yes. Then they would put the treatment in a little bag. Okay. And I would go home and I would, I would live a normal life. You know, I would, I would go to work, I would talk to my family, and the only clue that something was wrong was this little bag that bag had chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And that sat beside my bed. So as much as possible, we were able to give the symbols of a normal life. Of course, inside, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling nervous. But, but it, it's, it helped me live a normal, mobile life. The children did not see a victim. They saw their father fighting the disease, looking normal, acting normal, doing normal things. And that was so important to us to give that feeling of normality for them and for me. If I exactly. feel normal, then I can, I can be normal. And, and that was so, so important. So there, there is so much credit for the evolution and innovation that has gone into treatment and treatment protocols uh, these days. I am still on treatment now. Okay. So even though I am in remission, mm -hmm. every three weeks I go back for more immunotherapy. Yes, because uh, when it comes to cancer, you have to do that. Yes. Absolutely. I, I spoke to a, um, a researcher two years ago, and she said uh, we were discussing whether you should stop treatment, stay on treatment for maintenance. 
They said, Scott, uh, you've had an amazing journey, but never turn your back on stage four cancer. No. And, and that was a very powerful message for me. And it gave me um, no argument about the remission treatment. It is absolutely something I will do and commit to. And it does not interfere with my life. And it certainly supports a longer life. So, so that it's a very easy, easy decision to take. I like how you compared both your mum's situation and your situation and how research has got us to where we are today. Absolutely. Right? It's just yeah. research and the teams that behave behind it, right? On yeah. They act on, on the research. And we are so lucky to be living at an age like this where we can avail these treatments, right? Uh, absolutely. And, and, and I, um, I credit my mother mm -hmm. partly with my recovery. I mean, she was, like many millions of cancer patients, she was very willing that the next generation mm. should have a better experience than she had had. So she was very open to being part of research and, and talking to uh, trainee oncologists and trainee doctors. So I feel that she contributed in some way to the innovation that has helped me. And hopefully my experience will help my, my children as well. So we know... We you just paid forward, yeah. You paid forward. Yeah, yeah. We, we understand completely the words high risk. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. did not understand in my 20s that I was high risk, even though my mother had died. And that's such a simple lesson for people. If you have family history, you are high risk, you need to take a different protocol. Um, and and, and that, that lesson ne needs to be much more widely understood, I believe. Wow. I completely, I love the way your attitude is here right now. When you're speaking, you're speaking with so much of power, with so much of conviction. And I'm pretty sure you, the kind of mentality you had while going through cancer wouldn't have been the same. Please tell us how you got to here. Please tell us how. Just determination and support from my family and improvement. I mean, I, I cannot deny, Nadia, that if I had a bad scan, mm. that, that would create a, a, a much tougher mindset. So the worst news possible was my first scan. And then things improved. And, mm. and as long as you can go with progress and not try and um, transport yourself to the end, just look for incremental improvements and take confidence from those and, and work with those. Small goals. Um, Every day, small goals. That's a, that's a great way to describe it. And I never, I never ever asked, can this be cured? Never. Correct. Correct. I, yeah. I just said, what's the next step? What's three months from now? And, and I've, I've heard people in my oncology center demanding answers mm. um, from, from, from the team. And, and you cannot demand answers. Cancer is still a very difficult Subject and, and you know we need to take each day as it comes, but have confidence that the medicine you're enjoying today is decades different than than, than what my mother went through, and the improvement opportunities are, are vast. I mean, you are seeing both sides of it, mm -hmm. so you know exactly how the importance of it. You know the the relevance of having that research and getting to where you are today. Since you've seen what she has gone through, and you yourself have one-on-one -on -one experience with it, yeah. So, so uh, to me, I would say, uh, I would uh, first of all, kudos to your attitude. 
you have a very very positive attitude let's just say that out there and second of all um how exactly was your lifestyle before cancer how could you could you explain to us how it changed after cancer of course so i i, I worked um for a very large brewing company Mm -hmm. uh, for, for, for 20 years. So I've had a, a very good career, a successful career. Uh, that organization brought us from the UK to the United States. We're enjoying a very a very pleasant lifestyle. Okay. Um, and, and that hasn't really been impacted. I mean, th this is more um, internal. It's, it's more about your mind and how you approach the disease than, than things changing. I mean, we're, we're still in the same environment. Our children still go to the same school. We still move in the same circles. And I think it's, a, it's adapting with cancer to those. What has changed in my life, uh, I believe, is that I've become a very um, conscious advocate um, mm -hmm. for patients, uh, for the community, for research funds, so writing a book, you know, that, that has been my way of giving back. I, I uh, worked uh, with a coalition locally to create a bill uh, that would go through the Colorado uh, government to try and reduce the age of screening. Uh, screening wow. in the United States is automatic at 50 years old. Okay. Um, but colon cancer among the 40 to 50-year-old population is growing. And, and we know that if we can have a screening intervention earlier, we mm. will either prevent the disease or catch it earlier. Exactly. It's much cheaper and the survival rates are much, much higher. higher. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, Absolutely. Stage, early stage colon cancer has a nine zero ninety percent survival rate. Mm -hmm. Stage four has a 14% survival rate. Oh, yeah. my God. So Those so are the numbers. Yeah, on, on a human level and on a financial level, there is every benefit to be derived from earlier screening. So, so that, that became an important part uh, of that journey as well. And then just raising awareness so that people understand uh, the importance of listening to their body uh, and, and acting on it. Self-examination. Self-examination. Self-examination mm -hmm. Self and, and um, taking normal prevention steps. So if the health system... Hmm. that you're in provides a colonoscopy and you don't take advantage of that, there's something hmm. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you put that, there's something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, while going through your treatment, um, what are the obstacles that you faced? Um, could you enlighten us on that? I think there's physical obstacles uh, and there's mental obstacles. So... Mm -hmm. I mean, even my treatment, it, it does make changes. So my hair, uh, I didn't lose my hair, but it, it was certainly thin. Okay. Um, and uh, I, the sun sensitivity that I described, yes. that would create a very red uh, rash on my face. Okay. And on my upper body. So my face and torso would have uh, red spots. Um, and to me, that's just a side effect. It's, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not bitter. It's just, it's just a reality. Okay. Uh, of the treatment. Something okay. that's been a little bit more long-term impact for me is neuropathy. Okay. So Yeah, so one of the side effects of, of my drugs has been uh, neuropathy, which I have in my hands and my legs up to my uh, knee. Okay. It's like, do you know the phrase pins and needles? Yes, yes, pins and yeah, needles. So, yes. so it's like pins and needles in my hands and feet. I understand, yeah. Yeah. 
so, and again, I've just become accustomed to that. Um, some people have it even more severely than I do, where it's just pain all the time. I would describe mine as discomfort ra rather than pain. But still, last week with my family, we climbed a 14,000-foot mountain. Oh, um, my God. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I can so, imagine so, you. I can imagine you. Yeah. I cried After at the top. I, I, when I reached the top, I cried because it was um, emotion and the physical achievement of stage four cancer, top of a mountain that has, it's a metaphor and it was a real mountain. So it was very powerful for us. So. I've been there too, in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> been there. Anyway, wow, that, that is really amazing. That is amazing. And the fact that you admit that you did shed a tear up there, I mean, yeah. That is brilliant. That is, I love how vulnerable you are. I really do. I think, I think if, if you cannot embrace the fear of cancer, it, it's very hard not to, 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 to move past that. So if, if you pretend that cancer is, is, is not a serious subject, then you, you won't push through. I think you have to start with, you know, th this is a really serious disease. I've got to talk seriously, think seriously and then develop that positive mindset to, to, to work through it. Okay. If you pretend that, it, that it's a walk in the park, then that, that would be a very different reaction. Yeah, because your mindset plays a very important role in, in fighting the disease, in getting to the other side, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Because and then the right appealing mindset. To your, appealing to your community. When I was diagnosed, I wrote a letter to my colleagues in my organization. So we had 16,000 people. Okay. And uh, the, the top leadership group was about 250. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, I, and I knew all these people personally. And I knew that my cancer would have an impact uh, on, on the organization. So I wrote an open letter and just explained that this is what had happened. It's a serious subject, but we're treating it as a bump in the road. And, and I will be back. Uh, and, and as long as the scans supported that, then, then, then it was true. So I think just appealing to your community, don't go into hiding, don't go into dark. You know, people will support you and love you. Yeah, people you. tend to do that. People tend to, Absolutely. the first reaction is the stigmas attached to it. So nobody mm -hmm. wants to tell, oh, do you have, oh my God, she does. So it's, Society also, that matters. Not all societies yeah. are so open. Not all societies are so welcome to it. True. So True. it depends on where you are at. So we are all at different societies, correct? Mm -hmm. huh. yeah. So when that happens, um, it kind of plays on your mind differently. Now, yeah. considering India, so many people in the villages, the underprivileged, find it so hard because they, they know there's something wrong, but they won't say it out. Right. They, they just cannot get themselves to, because the other villagers will look down on them. There's something wrong with you. That means you might, and, and the, uh, the lack of awareness. Yeah. The lack of no, awareness. I, I agree that that could be difficult. I, I go back to your earlier point about research uh, and progress. Right. And I believe that um, t depending on society, I, I understand that, but the statement, I have cancer, mm -hmm. does not mean the same as it meant 20 years ago or 40 years ago. Absolutely. Years ago. And, and I project forward to 100 years from now. Someone says, I have cancer and treatment one, treatment two, treatment three, treatment four. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and it is definitely 
changing. The those three words, I have cancer, that definition is changing. Of course, it's still, it can still be a mortal phrase for, for, for many, many people. But for yes. many others, it, it can be, well, what's the plan? How, how do we work through that? And treating cancer as a chronic disease is starting to become part of the conversational culture. So I, okay. I, am, I am an example of treating cancer like a chronic disease. We've not said Scott is cured, no more treatment. We said mm. Scott has stage four cancer, mm. he's in remission, and now we are treating him like a chronic disease, as if it was diabetes. And every two, three weeks, I go back and have treatment to keep me in remission. And that's just amazing progress. I just love the way you put it. Like you put it so accurately, like so, just like diabetes, yes. It's so true. Mm. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, could you talk to me more about your caregivers here, the ones at the hospital, the ones at home? Could you tell us about your story? Of then? course. I mean, I, I need to start with my wife. Um, yes, my please. <laughs> um, it was uh, just her birthday last last week. Um, and she has been just an amazing support. She lost her father uh, from cancer in his 50s. He, he had lung cancer. Uh, yeah. You obviously know the story of my mother. So, so we, we had a, a dark backdrop, if you like, in terms of family experience, but she's been such an absolutely amazingly positive person. Um, it, it's common that uh, when you are a patient talking to an oncologist, mm -hmm. your mind is making all sorts of noises. Oh, yes. She was there taking notes, listening, asking questions. When I would come out, um, and, and make statements about the, what the oncologist had said. She said, no, this is what he actually said. And just having that person alongside you with that emotional, but also very, very practical support is tremendously important. Um, my, my children's reaction, I mean, you know, was I taking care of them or were they taking care of me? <laughs> it's, it's a little bit um, and certainly having their love uh, and support and confidence in their father at a very difficult time was tremendously important. And then my, my professional caregivers, um, I had some absolutely amazing uh, staff around me. Dr. Cohen, I have already mentioned, an amazing oncologist. Santosh Nandi, who did my uh, colon uh, surgery. Richard mm. Schulich is a surgeon who uh, resectioned my liver, really wow. preeminent surgeon. Uh, we had uh, Michelle Lehman was my uh, uh, nurse uh, alongside me and Zozo Greenholz uh, as well. And just, I mean, th these people are friends now. You know, these people, these are people that I can share stories with and have a coffee with. And just to have that kind of um, talent mm -hmm. and friendship in, in the same person has just been a, a wonderful experience. And, and I would never wish cancer on myself or anybody, but... I look at the friends that I've made and the community that's built around this, and it's a beautiful community, despite so much difficulty. Um, so, so I would certainly never want to not have those friends. <laughs> wow. Wow. Just like you said, I mean, when you know you're not alone, yeah, that gives you so much of power. When you think you're on your own, you think the world comes crashing down. Mm -hmm. But when you have the support of your caregivers, you very rightly explained, right from your wife till the people at the hospital who have become family now, I feel. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, so I think you make a very good point there. And I remember sitting in the, in the cancer center and the, you know, there, there are chairs and you've got your, your, the, the, the trolleys with your, yes, your treatment. Yes. And, you know, there's, there's a lineup of different patients huh. and certainly the attitude coming out of some of the patients who were alone um, was more difficult and we would spend time just trying to talk to them and exactly. just being like I am now but you're absolutely right if if I had not had my family and these amazing people around me I would have been in a much darker place much darker and that is what we're trying to do here we're trying to get to those people through this video through through our ways out there because you feel you've had it better than another person maybe we don't know right yeah. So we do whatever we can, yeah? I think there, one of the things I have learned, uh, Nadia, is the generosity of cancer patients. Mm -hmm. uh, and I talked about the community that I'm in where there's just so much uh, affection Gratitude. For, Gratitude. Other, for other patients and they just want to give back. And, yeah. and most cancer patients will respond to other cancer patients who are looking for help. I spend a lot of time on Facebook, on phone calls, on emails with cancer patients who've just been diagnosed asking me for just a little bit of guidance or help or support. And I'm always happy to give that. Um, so, you know, find somebody who's, who's been through it or going through it and they will, they will talk to you and they will help you. So please don't feel that you are alone. There's a whole cancer community out there that will support you. And not only that, you, you very rightly pointed out here, um, when you've gone through something, only then will you know the importance of it. Yeah. When you have gone through it, I mean, as a caregiver with your mother, and you've mm -hmm. gone through it on your own as well, you know the importance of what this is. You know, you know the severity of it. You know yeah. how how it can you know really torment a person. How it can also how you can also fight it. Yeah. If not, you wouldn't have been sitting here with me today and having this conversation. Yeah, I have a, a group of friends now, um, and we met at a retreat, and it's called the Colon Club, and it's a Correct. wonderful organization of people that uh, recognizes uh, young uh, uh, colorectal cancer. Right. And every year they take uh, 10 to 12 uh, young diagnosed patients and caregivers mm -hmm. uh, away at a retreat. And these people now are like friends for life, um, and they're they're like they're more like brothers and sisters than than uh, friends. But to your point, we don't need to explain. It's like everybody in the room understands exactly what you've been through, and 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 in that sense, it really is like a disease family, and just the the, the level of friendship and depth of understanding and support for each other is absolutely phenomenal. So. Again, I would encourage your listeners to find that community because it is out there. You know, a fellow patient who can talk to you on the same level is, is worth their weight in gold. Yeah. And like you said, if, if you have people around you who know exactly what you are going through without you even having to say what you feel, and they don't, they're not there to give you sympathy. They're there to give you empathy. Absolutely, no, yeah. that, that, no, that 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 is so so important, um, and it just I mean, it just it, it lightens me to to listen to you describe it because <laughs> you are describing 
<laughs> what has been my, my lucky experience of, of you know, I, I have been lucky. I've had amazing treatment, an amazing community, amazing family. I recognize not everybody has, has all of those jewels at their disposal, but, exactly. but the community is there for everybody. Uh, so so, so do, do not believe that you're in the dark by yourself. There is a cancer patient or survivor or caregiver out there to help you. Yeah. Also, during this time, how did you manage work life and personal life? And how did it happen? Please tell us. I, I um, was probably never busier. So, so <laughs> I, I, I would say that, um, I mean, I continue to work through treatment. Mm -hmm. Energy is lower. I mean, I will deny that. So let's call it 70% energy. And, and certain accommodations were made. You know, I, I needed time off for treatment, for surgery, etc. But But I still continued uh, to work. My photography um, maintained. You know, I've, I've explained that that was part of my uh, therapy. So, so that was very, very important to me. I started to develop the book. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was kind of alongside that as an additional project. And then just presenting a normal father to my children was very important. So my children are very active uh, on the sports front. So my daughter was swimming all the time. My daughter, my son was doing track or mm -hmm. rugby. And, mm -hmm. and, and I made sure I was there at every single event uh, to, to capture them photographically. <clears throat> and it meant I was there with factor 70 sun cream and a mask and a hat and every piece of skin was covered to protect me from sunshine. But I had to do uh, the, the things that I would do normally, just just to be there for them. So, so yes, I was more tired, but I think the the drive to to be normal uh, compensated a lot for the energy loss. Wow, that that is. I mean, you're not just one of those patients. You're you're so you've taken up so many different roles, and I really admire you for that. <laughs> Especially the one where you know, not a lot of fathers are like that. Just saying. So <laughs> it takes it takes it takes a lot more to be that, and I really admire you for that. Yeah, Thank I really you very do. Much. Thank you. So anyway, um, what would be your lessons? The lessons you've learned from this this entire experience. What would you like to share with our viewers out there? You know, words of wisdom of how to get through to this, and what is it? Yeah. I think there, there's an element of um, self-belief that, that actually I, I can work through this, partly driven by the confidence of having just amazing people around you. That's really important. I think the biggest lesson <clears throat> is, is when you hear the word cancer, don't think game over. And, mm. and, and don't look to the end of the game either. And we talked about this earlier, but just look for what is the progress that, that I can make here. What's the, I, I would look, I would measure my success in three months. So the next scan, that's my three month goal. Then the one after that is my three month goal. I wasn't looking for a three year plan or a 10 year plan. I was looking for a three month plan and, and knowing that that was the stepping stone to, 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 to further improvement. Um, that's about treatment. I think one of the biggest lessons to somebody who's out there that might have blood in their stool or a change in bowel habits or pain in their stomach is do not deny those symptoms. The, the, a cancer diagnosis is far, far more destructive to your mind 
than a colonoscopy will ever be. <laughs> so, you know, you, you have to go and, and find out what is wrong with you. Hopefully it's nothing and you can go back to normal. But if it's something, it can be treated. And just remember that early prevention or early treatment is far, far more likely to, to, to make you better than, than a late stage diagnosis, which obviously eliminate, uh, reduces uh, your chances of a positive outcome. So act early, be confident, remember cancer is different these days, and then just embrace the support and love of the community around you because it really can make a massive difference to, to, to your attitude through the disease. Mm. Wow. Is that helpful? Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, on the other hand, um, I would also, I, I, talking about stigmas and myths attached to cancer, um, I don't know if you've been through any, but could you tell us more about it? If you go into, um, say, a store or something like that, people need to see you and you, did you have, did you face anything like that during that time? There's, there's, there's probably big stigma associated with uh, colon cancer because mm -hmm. of the part of the body, it, you know, it's clearly related to um, bowel, bowel movements, bowel activity. So that creates a, a stigma and fear in people, part one. <clears throat> there I just say it's just it's normal body function, deal with it. Um, part two is the stigma, particularly among men, around colonoscopies, yes. uh, around, around having that part of your body interfered with. Um, I mean, when I have had colonoscopies, I have been um, anesthetized. You know, I, I wasn't um, awake uh, during the procedure. And even if I was, again, it's just, it's a, it's a mental block. I mean, this is, this is a potentially life-saving um, uh, procedure. So, so again, you know, you've got to get things into perspective here. So is my personal misgiving about a colonoscopy enough that I want mm -hmm. to risk my life? And again, if it is, then you know, you've, you've really got to uh, <laughs> take a check uh, on what's going on there. Yeah. The other, interesting you talk about stigma, because I remember my, I still remember my mother um, mm. who was uh, in treatment and she would have steroids. That was uh, going to be my next question. How did she deal with the stigmas? Yeah. <laughs> and her the colon cancer didn't make her look particularly different, but the steroids made her face um, explode. It yeah, really, really bloated. And I remember her being deeply, deeply upset once when she went to <clears throat> a supermarket. And in those days, they had a photograph on your, your credit card. Right. And the, the photograph was my mother looking healthy. Mm -hmm. And the, the lady behind the counter went, oh, what happened to you? Oh. And, and, and that really really affected my mother that that you know someone could be so cruel but it, to me that that for her that was her cancer being being manifest in a sort of physically uh, obvious way and and i think that the community does have a role to play in recognizing and and you talked about empathy but not judging people yes you know, yes it's just looking at the yeah. she has a bloated face but, but, She's probably ill. Why would I want to, to, to Us, make her feel yeah, yeah. I, to this day, if I go out in the sunshine, Colorado has 300 days of sunshine a year. Oh, my God. 
and that was an attraction for us at first, but now it's a it's a curse for me. Because yes, it's a curse. Country. Yeah. So I go out with a mask like this, mm -hmm. um, and, and people look at me. They stare. Why is he wearing a mask? Um, and and at first that was made me uncomfortable. But then mm -hmm. I just have to recognise that's their problem, not mine. I know why I'm wearing a mask. It, it's helping uh, preserve my life <clears throat> because of COVID and coronavirus <laughs> that has all changed now everybody's wearing a mask uh, welcome to the team <laughs> welcome to the team it's very simple no, i mean it's, it's, it's a difficult um collision between cancer and covid oh and yeah the, yeah and the the delays now in screening and treatment and surgery because of covid Yes, are, yes. are leading <clears throat> to more late-stage cancers. Yes. <clears throat> and, and that's that's a, a, an associated tragedy uh, with, with COVID. It's very sad. Yeah, it's just the time. I, I don't know what more to say because, you know, we just spoke about timing being so important. And because of the COVID, you just can't fight it. Like, there are so many things that are out of your control that, I mean, being in uh, within my own experience, I've seen so many patients haven't, got their treatment at the right time only because of the COVID. Yeah. So, um, again, how do you get around it? How do you get around it in such a short span of time? And even in that span of time, people are losing out on their existing treatment plans that could have been there, that could have saved them, that could have changed their lives altogether. So, as time goes by, we, we're again play, we, we can't do anything about it. So, Again, it is the time we're living in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, COVID is not going to be there forever. We know it. You know it. I know it. Yes. But um, at some point, they're going to do something about it. At some point, it's going to get better. But during that time when the COVID was there, all the cancer patients are going to suffer in different ways that we don't even know how to, I mean, get to... We, we're trying, we're trying a level best by video consultations, by, uh, I mean, sending reports over the internet and things like that, because you'd have to try. You cannot just give up. You have to adapt. Yeah. You have mm. to, you have to work around things. But yeah, there's a limit to that too. Yes. I think <laughs> um, this could get political, but th th there's <clears throat> a role for equality and fairness. And when, <clears throat> if there's now a line of people waiting for a colonoscopy, mm -hmm. The doors are closed. When those doors open again, making sure that everybody has fair and equal access to, to screening and treatment, I, I think is, is tremendously important. Oh, wow. Well, yes. True. So true. Anyway, I want to know what your reaction was for the first time when you realized that you were cancer-free. Oh, it's just... It was <laughs> like... Remember I said when I got to the top of that mountain and I wept? It, oh, it was yeah. just... It was the same feeling, just that feeling of you're just you, you are like this constantly when when you when you when you think you have cancer, <clears throat> and then to be told that it's no longer in your body, it's just an, an unbelievable release of joy and emotion and gratitude, um, and it, it, it was amazing. So I remember, I think I nearly broke my wife's hand, just oh. so tight, <laughs> uh, and, and I hugged my oncologist and I hugged my nurses and. Uh, it's just a, a, a wonderful feeling. So it, Team effort. It's the team effort. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's what I mean by gratitude. It's just 
you know, I, I only played a very, very small part in my recovery. I mean, they they made me better. And it's just start, It's how you treated them as well. It's the kind of person you put out there as well. You know, the, the person that you are to your wife, to your parents, I mean, to your children, to your parents and all of them out there. They did, they did go that extra step for a reason. Yeah. So you have to give yourself the credit too. <laughs> you cannot well, it's just... It's lovely to hear, but it's, it, it's also now why I go an extra step. But, you know, and, and I, I, I have, I talk to people, I, 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 <clears throat> I do photography talks and I, and I bring in the cancer story, etc. And just try and get that, that message out there of, um, you know, that this can be done and it's worth taking on the battle. Wow, wow. It's been so amazing being in conversation with you. Wow, what a one hour this is. <laughs> I don't know if it's one hour yet, but uh, I mean, it's been so good. Like, I myself am so inspired by you right now. <laughs> it's so lovely to hear. Thank you. you. You must have had so many things. I mean, so many things on your plate at that point to manage. And you really did a pretty good job. I must I say. Being, being busy helps. <clears throat> if oh, you're yes. Idle, but then... then you can let things creep into your mind. And, and I do believe that being busy is part of the mindset for me, certainly. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank it's you so my much. My absolute pleasure. Taking really enjoyed the time out. Taking the time out. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It was such a personal story that it took a lot of courage to share these things. Yes, it did. Thank you so much Thank for being the person that you are. And... Keep inspiring. Keep inspiring thank us all. Thank you very much. And thank you for the invitation to talk to you. <laughs> wow. Thanks a lot.